highlighted that two specific career fields have been identified to have high rates of suicide attempts or high rates of suicide period, as well as depression. And that is the reality. The reality is within your organizations, you are navigating individuals who have, who might have, or or might navigate mental health issues. It might be one department more than the other. It might be certain seasons within your organization than the other because of the level of the, the pressure, pressure within the company, or it could be because of personal reasons. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And on today's episode, I want us to look at another case study as we go into 2022 to ensure that we are leading with empathy as we're leading with a level of effectiveness that's even better than how we did things in 2022. And in this case study, imagine being an employee, a team member, being served disciplinary paperwork, separation paperwork, just negative paperwork while being treated in a mental health clinic after a suicide. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a real case. But as always, we're looking at these scenarios opportunities to learn lessons to grow and develop so we can continue in our process to be effective leaders today tomorrow and beyond so grab your notepads your note-taking materials and let's get into today's message so what happened in this case well in this matter you have a leader who was removed And they were stated that they were unfit to lead because at one point themselves and another leader drove four hours to serve paperwork to a team member following their suicide attempt. They were being treated in a medical facility, in in a mental health facility. And here they are being served separation paperwork. And when I say separation, it's pretty much paperwork saying that you are being separated from the armed forces. Here are what's happening, why it's happening. Here are your rights. You can submit a rebuttal. And if you do, this is what you need to provide. And this is pretty much the entire process. And unfortunately, this person did still get separated. But it should have never even gotten to this point. Because based off of this information, this culture, this climate, It was like this for some time. So there is this article, which I'm going to put in the show notes by task and purpose that showed, that gave examples from individuals who worked within this culture and they wanted to remain anonymous. So they have these pseudo names within the article, you know, because again, reprisal is real. So one of them mentioned that they were being treated for um, a some injuries that they suffered while deployed. Um, he stated while undergoing medical treatment and started a medical evaluation board, which pretty much is um, a, a board that determines if a member is physically able to continue serving. So they'll assess, you know, your issues, review your paperwork, you know, their appointments you have to attend, and essentially they'll determine if you're fit for duty or not. So as he was navigating that and going through his mandated appointments, 
it became an issue. And he was told that he has to fit his appointments around his work days. And um, he, the issues that he was being getting support for, for were basically that he could not drive because of it. So he had asked for additional support that, you know, he was already unable to drive due to the medical issues. So he was asking support from his leadership and they said no because of manning and operation issues. Now, of course, depending on the layout of your company or organization, you not, might not be able to offer that. But in some military organizations, if someone is navigating certain issues, there are people who are willing to help or there are resources available to help that person get to and from their workplace. Um, so for he continues and says, coming out of treatment, I went to this meeting with, you know, this leadership team and, you know, he was hoping he was returning back to work and he wanted to prove his value to the Air Force. And he said I could uh, so he can continue to serve at that point. He said, but I quickly learned that the folks at the top of the chain, so his leadership chain did not care. He said right out of the gate, she and this was a major Whitman that was separated. They said they were unpathetic. Un, excuse me, unempathetic towards what he and his family were going through. I was made to feel like a second-class citizen. And he said a piece of crap for things outside of my control. However, he was saved by a few good leaders who cared about what was happening and they were able to help him navigate his limitations while he can still contribute. So other awesome leaders were able to help him navigate that situation. However, he even mentioned that he saw um, this leader as well retaliate against another a team member's wife who was trying to help spouses of other airmen. So pretty much there's a key spouse organization. And this is where spouses of service members volunteer to help out the families of deployed um, airmen and anyone who could use a hand. And this oversight is um, by um, another entity called Airmen and Family Readiness Center. So another entity to support military members, their families. And it's a commander, a.k.a. that leader. It's a leadership run program. So if you have members that are deploying, they should essentially promote, okay, you know, key spouses, go out, do your thing, support these families because they're leaving and supporting and, you know, fighting in these wars and supporting these missions, but they leave families at home and they want to offer them support. But in this case, there were some, there were some things that occur that related, excuse me, that um, resulted to logistical issues and these individual spouses that were deploying, their spouses needed support from the base agencies, but before they could do it, they needed, those individuals needed their orders to say, yes, we're deploying. And those orders show proof that, yes, I have a spouse that's deploying, which means that I can get the support. Well, what unfortunately happened is these issues cause a delay in them getting that. So this individual, this spouse that was managing this key spouse um, organization was able to get these orders for these um, spouses so they can get the support. But when it happened, it triggered that leader. It said, Whitman was mad. The unit was already trending at this time due to those logistical issues. The spouse then stepped down from the key spouse organization, but Whitman continued to target her husband. I can't give names, but I can say that I witnessed the results of her trying to break him. This was unfortunate because they're both wonderful people, but they've continued to pre preserve 
excuse me, persevere despite it. The whole incident sparked an investigation. And we know what came from that. So they were just trying to help those spouses. And because of that, there was a, a level of reprisal or retaliation that was happening to that individual's spouse because that's who worked there for her. So unfortunate. So this individual is that share this experience and what they saw says, I got burnt out and no amount of optimism could change the reality of the situation. I was done. No more dreams of commissioning and doing 20 years of service. So commissioning is going to, is going from enlisted to officer and pretty much 20 years is typically the goal of how long to serve. But again, going through this process really just totally changed their view of serving. And now this other situation that kicked off why I really wanted to focus on this. This airman said that they were completely open about their mental health issues, that they kept their supervisors aware they were taking medication for depression. However, it wasn't working, which led to oversleeping and they still got demoted. He said, I talked to my supervisor and he said that was pretty extreme um, the airman said of the demotion, the airman's mental health continued to deteriorate until one day in March, 2021, he attempted suicide. He survived and was checked into a mental health clinic about a four hour drive south of Dias. But the distance did not stop Whitman and an assistant for a sergeant from making the drive down to the hospital to serve the airman's separation p- paperwork. So they wasted a whole day and ruined my treatment. The airman said, I don't know why they had it out for me so bad. Unfortunately, this airman may not be the first to be served paperwork after a suicide attempt. So in January, the top chief, the top enlisted leader, was addressing how they were looking into an incident of an airman in Colorado who sent a letter of rep- who was sent a letter of reprimand and a letter of counseling shortly after attempting suicide. And she said the situation gives us an opportunity to reflect on the culture we need where airmen understand the responsibility as both leaders and wingmen. A culture where respect, trust, accountability, and compassion guides our actions. While the airman Adias submitted a rebuttal against the separation paperwork to try to stay in the service in the end, there was not much they could do to challenge the separation. I would have wanted to stay in the Air Force if not for Weidman's or Widman's treatment of him, the airman said. Other airmen shared negative experiences. So this was posted on Instagram after they were let go, this specific leader. And now, again, it, it, it really highlights this focus on mental health, which it has identified that two specific career fields, maintenance and security forces, have a high rate of depression and suicide rates. So from that, just so much. You have two leaders who drove four hours to serve someone's separation paperwork to say you would no longer serve in the United States Air Force. They just, they were in the process of being treated and supported for a suicide attempt. Just imagine how stressful and how much that hit harder to get that. That could have triggered another incident from happening. So this was a culture thing. And I'm thinking no, at no point, no one asked them to, no one talked, tried to talk them out of this. Someone literally drove with them to, to do this. 
And on the second half of this, or second, the other area of this, it highlighted that two specific career fields have been identified to have high rates of suicide attempts or high rates of suicide period, as well as depression. And that is the reality. The reality is within your organizations, you are navigating individuals who have, who might have, or or might navigate mental health issues. It might be one department more than the other. It might be certain seasons within your organization than the other because of the level of the, the pressure, pressure within the company, or it could be because of personal reasons. And although being someone that supported the violence prevention goals and serves as a master resiliency trainer, most of the suicide um, reasons have been correlated to relational issues. But a lot of times in the conversations of identifying the signs, the goal was to talk about bystander prevention and support and make individuals feel like they belong in the organization as well. Because if they don't feel like they belong, they have no one to talk to, no one that they can lean on. They really feel alone. And while it's no one, we my goal as well is not for anyone to feel like they're um if someone does unfortunately take their life that, you know, to wear that heavy, heavy, you know, pain of that. Cause that's the other side of it. But what I'm trying to do is to emphasize the importance of creating a space of belongingness and support within the culture of your organization. Paying attention to the current trends and issues And weeding out and uprooting leaders and individuals who are not promoting team cohesion, who aren't empathetic, who aren't leading. And yes, they need to specifically be, um, they need to specifically be like, essentially (laughs) we want to make sure that how we support these leaders, right? Because that's the other side, because I know some leaders might be thinking like, well, I don't, I can't say nothing. So they still need to be able to be effective in problem solving and decision-making while also maintaining a level of empathy and understanding. And connect with who can give them the tools and the resources so they can handle and manage these cases effectively. I have been a bit ad- advocate for advocate for it lately. Making sure that hey, if you have someone that has been navigating anything mental, mental health related, do supervisors have a toolkit, a book of how to navigate this effectively? When or when not to discipline? If what are the do's and don'ts? Should I, shouldn't I? When what what can you ask for? All those different things are important to know. Because the last thing that you, a leader wants to navigate or someone that is truly empathetic and really is trying to ensure that they are monitoring behavior issues, work-related issues, 
while also really looking at the true realities of mental health. But you don't want to get the call that somebody that you supported harmed themselves. But in reality, the culture of this organization was already unhealthy because this happened over and over again where individuals can post about their experiences on Instagram. They didn't even feel comfortable sharing, talking about what happened. That is a big deal. And just like we had discussed last week with Better.com and their scenario, workplace culture, what are we doing to address it? And sometimes we are so far at the top which is reality when you delegate and you hire and you place someone in that position of leadership, all all you can do is hope that they're effective. But what are the checks and balances? In reality, ladies and gentlemen, leading and being in a leadership role, I mean, they're different. While you're in that leadership role, Do you know how to lead? Do you have those soft skills? Are you being developed? And there are a lot of leaders who go into leadership roles that don't know how to lead effectively. With the emphasis on these skills are important to have as well. That's extremely important. Empathetic leadership while making effective decision-making because discipline still might need to happen. So problem solving needs to be effective. Knowing who to reach out to needs to be effective. And we need to do our part to ensure that we are developing and creating a culture where team members feel comfortable to share their experiences or provide input and not feel that there's a retaliation that could occur. And my question is, we heard about one individual being fired or let go. What happened to all the other leaders who were mentioned to go along with this? What happened with them? And is that why these individuals have to still cover up who they are because lurking behind the shadows of those individuals who were there right beside her as she made these ineffective decisions and never said anything. How is it being addressed? So currently they have an interim commander leader. You can correlate them to a CEO that has been supporting this organization for the time being. And it was mentioned that command of an Air Force unit, command of an organization, leading an organization to correlate it so um, you can connect to it, is a position that requires trust both up and down the leadership chain, the different tiers of leaders. When the trust is lost, it affects good order and discipline, unit cohesion, team cohesion, and ultimately risk mission accomplishment. The service began investigating this individual back in September 29 to ensure the Air Force standards for professionalism and culture are upheld by leadership while affording all members due process. 
professionalism and culture. How our leaders are managing and handling things, how you're managing and handling things can truly have an impact on how your team member sees you, sees you and trusts you. And we have to check in sometimes. We have to check in, see how they're doing. And they have to feel comfortable enough to come talk to us. And again, everyone might navigate the uncomfortability of reaching out to a leader. But create that open door. Allow them to know that they can reach out to you and contact you. But I want you to ask yourself real quick. If you were to just put a pulse check out there, do your team members trust you enough to come and talk to you? Do they feel comfortable enough to share issues, problems that they're navigating within the organization? Is that what the culture speaks to? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, is getting and identifying the root cause of that. So on the second half, I want to leave some points and some strategies for you to look at when assessing and checking upon your leaders. Because these two case studies has really, really made us or made me recognize that while we take so much time to assess our team members, we need to take more time to assess our leaders and even ourselves. So stand by and let's talk about the importance of assessing our leaders and really seeing if that, seeing that those that we choose for leadership roles can effectively lead. That is a question. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. I am so happy that you have tuned into this podcast because you're getting the tools and the strategies to help transform yourself, your organization, your institution, or to prepare you for leadership. But let's take it a bit further. As a organizational learning, development, and leadership consultant, I help train and develop leaders to improve their performance, resiliency, and diverse, with a capital D, talent management. So what are you waiting for? Set up a consultation with me now so we can talk about what you can do to create that long-term development plan to really ensure that your company, your organization, or even as you prepare for leadership is on target. If you go to my website, AishaThomas.org, go to the area where you can schedule a consultation and meet with me. And we will get you started on the path of being that transformational, trend-setting leader. BetterUp had a very interesting topic. And an article said, are empathetic leaders born or made? Now, you guys already know what I've said about empathy, right? Not empathy, excuse me, is leadership. Are leaders born or made? And again, you know, science has proven that leaders aren't born. They have, people have certain traits that have been attributed and connected to what a leader should look like. But essentially the development is the key component of how effective a leader is going to be in a leadership role. Because again, leadership or leader, yeah, leadership is like within all of us. It's influence. However, our effectiveness comes with it comes with the maturity and development, right? 
I mean, a big brother is a leader in a sense. However, he can do something to little brother or little sister <laughs> that requires some work. Mom and dad steps in, their guardian steps in and gives them a, a really good lesson that helps them ensure that they support them effectively next time. But we all have leadership within us. But when it comes to when we step into that leadership role, that's when we truly can see if someone is effective. So let me define again, empathy again, right? So it's the ability to understand and be sensitive to another person's feelings, thoughts, and emotions. So when we're thinking about empathetic leadership and merging that, so it's it's really thinking about leading in a sense where you have that interest in your team's lives, challenges they face, their, their overall feelings. You're really embedding yourself in ensuring that you're just, okay, you know, uh, um, there's that elements of servant leadership that's highlighted within Better Up, that's within it. But it's really creating a environment where individuals believe and know that you care. That you care. And they feel safe. That's the overall goal. So as they say, is this something that is within us innately? It says it's both a skill and a trait, empathy, right? It said it has been known, um, it has been shown that empathy has a genetic basis. This means that within the empathy spectrum, there are people who are naturally more empathetic than others because of their biological and, excuse me, biological and genetic predisposition. So I have taken an assessment, identified that I'm someone that is, that has high empathy. You know, they call them high empaths. You know, I have a good feel of the room. I can, I really can feel it. I can, you know, go to a space where if there's just sadness, I just feel it all. I take it all in and I'm just like, okay, what's up guys? I can just, something, something feels off here. Is everybody all right? So tapping into that, right? However, it says that given the person's predisposition, empathy is also a skill that can be trained to become, someone can be trained to become a more empathetic person. And I gave some tips last, last time, but much like a muscle that can be trained to get stronger and stronger, empathy can be trained, you know, through certain practices to help increase it. So I might manage, I mean, I'm, I highlighted that last time. I highlighted that last time and ways we can start to make sure that we are really increasing our level of empathy and showing up more effectively. But from this article, what else can we work on, right? Because again, empathy has been the basis. I asked you, if you were to poll your team or even assess it, do you believe they trust you? They can come to you? And you might be like, yeah, but really? Have you heard some things about your team members that you're like, oh, I wonder why they didn't tell me? That might be a, that might be a sign that they don't feel comfortable. And although there's a level of separation between like leadership and employee and, and so on, again, these are individuals you're around more often sometimes than we are with our families. So there is a level of connectivity that is birthed when you're around people so often. So the culture must speak to. It must speak to that there's trust here, there's openness. 
that there's support. And while that might not resonate with everyone, because it might not reach everyone, the consensus, the overall feel is, yes, I feel supported here. I feel like if I had to give input on something, I could, and there wasn't any retaliation. That really speaks to inclusion. Are all voices heard? And if you do get feedback from a team member that there isn't reprisal, there isn't some type of response to it because they said something, that you can collect collect the feedback and use it as a lesson and then take action to hopefully assist with improving that culture. If that feedback is something that results to, you know, something you can really implement. Because again, we've, we've said in those meetings where the requests have been, oh, I can't do that. I wish I could hire a five, you know, therapist so you guys can get that assistant, but maybe I can just hire one on site. Maybe I can hire someone to come in and they can be, they can have office hours and you guys can go in and get that support, you know, once a week but maybe not every day. So things like that. But it's going to take you for you to be not only self-aware to check in and find out your blind spots, your areas you need to improve on and you work on that, but it's also going to be people aware. That's a social awareness side of emotional intelligence I was talking about. Get with HR, find out what resources are out there, what you can connect to. Do you have mental health support um, within the benefits plan? If that's something you want to add, if that's within your budget. If you want to incorporate, you know, something related to that monthly. We talked about corporate social justice and corporate social responsibility a couple podcasts ago. And how those relate to things that's happening within society. But mental health has been a big conversation. And there are initiatives and things that's happening within the nation that you can get involved with within your city, your area. So that involvement or those initiatives you get involved with can also show your investment in really supporting mental health activities within your area. And even embedding those things within your company might really show that you want to create a culture that, hey, I want to normalize that. Hey, we know that as team members, as individuals that are supporting this mission and vision, I know that in reality, you all are navigating life experiences. That is just the reality of life. However, this is what's available to you if you don't have that support. having that clear understanding of when and when not to give paperwork. And again, for me, this case is just was just grounded in a lack of empathy and understanding and possibly a multitude of other things, because I'm, I'm a believer that, you know, again, when people go to the depths of that to address issues, there might be some dip, deeper, deeper issues, but I'm not the one to, you know, I'm not the one to, to, you know, come up with those type of, um, you know, I'm not going to come up with a diagnosis or an overall reasoning why that happened, but that, that's, that was just extreme, an extreme response to some, to individuals who are really navigating some harm, some harsh things, some hard things. 
So yes, you might not ever hear of a suicide case within your company and organization, but you're going to hear stress. You're going to hear depression. And when you know that is going to be a stressful time of season, that is a great opportunity for you to possibly bring someone in that is a mental health expert. That might be a good time for you to connect with HR and say, hey, I want you to start pushing the mental health resources that's within the health benefits plan. That might be a great opportunity to, if there are groups that can be developed, you know, talk about support groups and start pushing out positive messaging. All those things matter. And it could really help as your team gets beyond that stressful season. But while you address things as a group, you want to also make sure you're, gra- you're addressing things individually. So don't get lost in the group as well. Making sure that each and every one individual, excuse me, each and every one of those individuals are being addressed is important. So making sure that your team members, excuse me, your team members, meaning your leaders are doing their part to connect to each one of those team members. And of course, this all depends on the size of your company, your organization. You might be able to make those calls, but you also want to get your leaders into the habit of addressing these topics, making those connections, because they're the ones that will be interacting with these individuals more often than that CEO. And as I mentioned last time, If you have other individuals who aren't moving forward to value and ensure that the culture in your company is within the scope of healthiness, support, care, then you have to really recognize if that is someone that you want to keep within your company. Because it's important that your team members feel valued, cared for, and safe. And they don't have to walk on eggshells. So even in your recruiting methods, when you're sitting down and you are coming up with scenario-based questions, are you asking empathy-related questions? Are you asking how they handled matters of that case? Are you doing those checks and balances to see if how they've handled those cases? while we're looking at how they're executing on tasks and so on, think outside of the box in your line of questioning, but then do the follow-up and the investigation if you can. Because if you're doing those checks and it's, it's, when it's, it's appropriate to ask, hey, you know, is this person effective in how they handle cases where, you know, empathy is what you want to lead with? How have they been? And that previous supervisor can give you some insight. But the more we can do to ensure that we are assessing and addressing this and ensuring that we are functioning in empathetic leadership, leadership that values and promotes inclusivity and effective problem solving, as well as recognizing the value of the human asset the person behind the body that pushes the button or 
kicks out the product or whatever role that they do. Like we have to learn how to value that and make sure that it shows. So as always, thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate you all. And I hope that I don't have to keep reading these type of cases. But it's still happening. And while it might be exciting to end 2021 with the bang, we want to continue to explore these different topics. So you guys don't think that I'm just, you know, talking about these, just giving examples, but just so you can really see what you're navigating, because you might be that person that's called in to take over of a team or an organization following the layoff of somebody who was not effective as a leader. And now you have to come in and pick up those pieces. So for those leaders that are coming in to pick up the pieces, recognize it's going, it might be a hard task. There might be some biases already because they might've seen that promises were made that weren't followed through. They might look at you like, okay, you're saying you're going to do something, but are you really be patient with them? But do something different. Make sure that your actions match your words. Make sure those match up. And then slowly but surely, you'll start to build trust because they're seeing like, okay, this guy, this gal, they're different. And this leader is truly doing what they're saying. So as always, thank you for tuning in today. If you have questions or concerns, please reach out to me, AishaThomas.org. You can uh, message me through there, or you can email me at info at AishaThomas, excuse me, AishaThomas.org, info at AishaThomas.org, or reach out to me on social media at Miss Aisha Thomas. Those links are on my website as well. And please make sure that you guys are checking out these video series on YouTube. going to be some good stuff coming out in 2022. So make sure you subscribe to that. But like, subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review. And as always, I appreciate you guys tuning in. And I'm super excited because there's going to be a change happening with the podcast. I'm going to announce its new name. Yes, I'm changing the name of the podcast to truly align to you know, what, what I'm all about. So, uh, stay tuned for that. And, um, you guys have an amazing week. So go and be great. And remember individuals don't typically quit the organization. They typically quit the leader. And that's why you need leadership development. Thank you all go out and be great and lead effectively and be awesome. All right.